Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Stand by Operation Toffee Web Podcast. Antwaite has won that well. Calvert Lewin's touch. Harrison. Calvert Lewin. Good spin. Great goal. That is delightful from Dominic Calvert Lewin. A magnificent piece of finishing to put Everton in front. 50 in the Premier League now for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. What a way to bring up the half-century. Well, Sean, it felt like a pretty even first half, but you certainly seemed like the better team after the break. Yeah, um, I thought we, we came down with the, the intention of taking the game on. We always do. Um, not always easy, a tough place to come and they're a good outfit, a very experienced outfit and a very experienced manager of course um, but overall I thought with the way we performed the chances we created and a fine goal then we just about edged it and, and got a nice three points What a finish from Dominic Yeah, we know that Dom um, is sharp, he's getting sharper and fitter um, I think he's worked diligently all day with Duke, um, doing a lot of leg work for the team and I think it's a really good finish, Duke sort of controls it, just comes away from him but great turn and finish, you know them snapshots, very difficult to defend uh, turn and hit, as I call it, very difficult for defenders, so a very good finish. You had to be patient today, didn't you? But how confident were you feeling when that opportunity did fall for you? Yeah, it was uh, not much thinking, to be honest. Like, a lot of instinct. It was just felt the ball come in and then touch and finish, but chances were few and far between. So just got to stay in there and keep believing and, and wait until my chance does come and make sure that I take it, and I, and I did today. Yeah, another really important goal in is what looking like it's going to be another tricky season. How good does it feel, though, when you're fit and firing on these occasions? Good. It's just the best feeling in the world, you know, to come away from home and 
win in, in the in the manner that we did, you know, one nil, and then kind of just see the game out and stick together and defend well and, and move well as a unit. Um, but I think you, you know you can say tricky season. Maybe it was a tricky start to the season in the first couple of games. But I think the past few games we've been, bar maybe the derby where things went against us, I think we've been good. So you know, long may it continue. Hello again, Blues. This is the Toffee Web Podcast. And doesn't the world feel that little bit brighter after an Everton win, eh? The Toffees went down to that day London on Sunday, came away with all three points from West Ham to put the frustration of the Anfield derby firmly behind them with a really professional away performance. Having won against Brentford and Bournemouth over the past month or so, Everton are starting to look up the table now rather than over their shoulder under Sean Dyche. And it sets things up nicely for home games against Burnley in the Carabao Cup this week and Brighton in the Premier League on Saturday. Joining me this time to talk about that 1-0 win at the London Stadium and those two upcoming matches are Andy Howard, Paul Trail, and Adam, only pods when we're winning McCulloch. Uh, I'll come to you first, Adam. Uh, we've had this notion that uh, Everton are a better team than back-to-back a relegation battle suggested. Uh, part of that is having the right coach in charge, or at the very least a competent one, but Dominic Calvert-Lewin is demonstrating just how important it is uh, to have someone capable of putting the ball in the back of the net. That's uh, four in the last six games in all competitions, 50 league goals for the Blues. So putting aside the uh, nebulous threat of punishment from this independent commission, things are definitely uh, looking brighter, aren't they? They are, yeah. And I think it's natural that we gravitate towards, as as we often did in the negative last year, uh, referring to the striking position. When you see it come together like that, when you see an Everton forward confidently take the ball in an area which, when when you kind of look at it back, it's 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 barely even a half chance. He gets the ball in a really tight area. One touch opens his body up. It gets better every time you see it as well, that touch. And obviously the, the kind of final angle, I think uh, in the sort of Everton social media account sort of alluded to that final angle where you, you, you see just what a good touch that is. And then to have a striker looking sharp, having the self-belief to take on that chance. And it's it's a it's a finish that again not to turn it uh quickly as i often do into a bit of a negative but if erling Haaland does that then we're waxing lyrical about it for weeks on end i think the fact that it's calvert lewin doing it maybe flies a little under the radar but it certainly doesn't for us as fans because we know how good he can be on his day i think um i think you mentioned actually in your match report linen but were it not for injuries i'm sure he would have surpassed that 50 goal milestone uh quite a lot earlier um, on certainly on on this showing, and the really exciting thing is that Deitch, having managed the situation so well, is still kind of hinting that he's he's nearly there. This isn't yeah, the fully fit. Saw that, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, wow, okay, well, great. If if we can have him sort of eighty five percent for the rest of the season looking like this, then surely, um, you know. Take take twelve points off us. See see if we can. Uh, don't do that. Um, but, um, but I think there's so much to be said for having goals in that side, and particularly in games like that, where last last year and the the year before, we we maybe draw that game, we probably lose it, we get shaded out by uh, the other side having that cutting edge and us looking bereft without it. So. 
to get a result like that on the road, um, I know there's other elements of that performance, one in particular, uh, the other end of a picture I think we're going to talk about. Um, I certainly will in uh, great detail. But from Dom's point of view, um, in games like that where one chance can win it, it makes such a difference to to have him as that focal point to 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 basically get us over the line and and tip tip the balance in our favour. So it really bodes well, and and I think managing that fitness for the rest of the campaign. Yeah, I mean, if if we can, great. If we can't, okay, we have options now. We have, but he he is the option, isn't he? When fit, when on form, which he is, he is the option, and I think. He would. He is one of our players who um, I'm not willing him away in any way, shape, or form. But he is one of those players who would certainly perform at the top end of the league um, when fit, um, and that's something we've kind of struggled to find, isn't it, over, over the last few years with players coming and going. So more of the same, please. Um, and yeah, not, not a goal I'm going to get tired of watching. It was it was really, really, really high quality centre forward play. So um, and yeah, a fitting a fitting time to get his fiftieth goal. What did you think, Paul? Yeah, brilliant. Um, I mean, it, it just the, the last sort of four, the four wins in the last six games, which has included four goals in six games for Dominic, really, really highlights how important he is. Really, doesn't it? Massive turnaround in our fortune since he's been available. Um, and could argue we might have got more of the, the other two games as well, Luton, and then things could have been different at Anfield, as we know. So, um, yeah, it, it's fantastic. It's You have to credit Sean Dyche, don't you, really, for um, for giving him that time and opportunity to get fit. But it's, um, I think everyone can, it's just great for everybody to see Dominic um, fit and smiling and looking, just looking, you know, like he's enjoying it again, doesn't it? So, um Really, really well taken goal. Um, great play by the uh, the big fella that you skirted around there in the uh, in 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 your face of the defender um, there, and obviously Javid Banfway. I think he he had the, he he played the biggest part in that in, in that goal really, didn't he? You know, just start by winning it and then get, getting the ball forward into the second area, and then obviously Dominic finishing really nicely. Um, it's brilliant. Uh, much deserved win, wasn't it? I thought they really, really, uh, that you know, playing away from home there at West Ham did really, really well. The players um, got into them early, had a lot of chances, didn't they? That I mean, I was really thinking we were going to do that that early one when Jack Harrison won it, and then just um, really made such a terrible decision when he could have uh, could easily have you know played in uh, Dominic or Decore, but it doesn't matter. We got uh, we got away with it. We did, you know, we, we did we did really well, and I think. Um, Sean Dice just really, really good in them sort of games, I think, particularly away from home. You know, the games which um not normally so good in games is anyone in, in the games which, you know, against the teams up at the top of the league. I think he kind of goes in them normally a bit negative, just to not to lose or try not to lose. But these ones, he just he seems to have that pattern of knowing what to do in them teams, like like you've seen recently against Brentford, against West Ham. We saw it a lot last season as well. And now he's got that settled team. You kind of go into them games just quite optimistic you're going to get something from it and that's um, obviously the situation we've been in and are in it's a really really good thing so um, yeah it's just it's just it's nice to just feel good about Everton for once isn't it it's been, it feels like literally years since you felt since you felt good about Everton and it's you know we're 15th we're 15th in the league we're four points off <laughs> 17th you know what I mean it's um, but it just feels a little bit positive at the moment despite what could go on with the uh, with the hearing 
nice knowing that we've got a cup game we could be in the quarterfinal you know you know and you know pretty much this time tomorrow you know um yeah a lot going on so it just feels somehow quite a nice time to be a fan despite all the uh the things that have gone wrong so um yeah it's hope we can just crack on i think the goal gets better the more you watch it i mean i, I you what you watch it kind of go in off his boot and you think oh wow God, we've scored. Um, but actually, if you if you look at it in detail, the turn is just it's lovely, isn't it? And the way he appreciates the space around him is a proper number nine and a number nine that is very adept at playing on his own because you, you have to be aware of every inch when you're a number nine playing on your own because there's defenders everywhere. Um, and the way he just dragged that back into himself, I mean, forget the finish, the, the actual, his own setup, I thought was was brilliant. Um, and I, I don't think it's too sensational to say that if he'd been fit, I, I think he would have already passed the 68, let alone the 50. Yeah, I was going to say know. that. Um, yeah. Because he, he can just score all types of goal, can't he? And, and I know we, he had a, kind of really hot season where he scored a lot of what we would call typical strikers goals but that was in a in a system that made those chances for him I think if you look at I know Everton um put on social media you know they they made a kind of call out a montage of every one of his 50 goals there's loads of different ones in there um loads of different ones so I mean yeah I mean he's um he's just like a, a breath of fresh air really um and I always it was it was a weird one Sunday. I wouldn't say I was that stressed out about the game Sunday, and I have been this season. You know, I have <laughs> been, especially as we were kind of like going th- going through the motions at home, thinking, "Oh my days!" And you, and you get another big game like Luton, or you get another big game like Bournemouth. I was especially nervous about it for, beforehand and thinking about it in the days prior. This one, I always thought, Do you know what? I think that might sort itself out in in a strange way. Um, I was that that definitely flipped that coin in the in the last twenty minutes. I mean <laughs> yeah. that clock hmm. in the last twenty minutes. Hmm. Even though we weren't really in any danger, I just thought it was one of those games. I remember mentioning this at Nottingham Forest last year. You get yourself in a position where it would be a real disappointment not to win yeah. the game. You know, if it hadn't been for that little bit of magic from Dom, you might have gone. Well, do you know what? Nil nil. It's a good result. It's a it's a decent result. Let's move on. Now you've had the bit of magic and you've got yourself in front. Uh, I mean, they were poor, weren't they? Yeah. And I just thought to myself, well, if we, now if we don't win this game, it's going to be a massive disappointment. Um, so I was nervous in the last 20 minutes. But no, all in all, I thought I thought from back to front, and I know we'll talk about all those different building blocks, but I thought from back to front, it was good. It was reliable. It was organised. Um, it was all the things that you kind of want away from home, really. Um and it was kind of what I expected an Everton Sean Dyche team to look like, if I'm completely honest. And I, I know we haven't had that, and it's fluctuated quite a lot, really. You know, um, but I felt as if that was kind of a near enough what I expected an Everton team to be performing like under Dyche. Um, and I make that. Do I make that eight league wins under Sean Dyche now? I think, and five of them have been by, by one nil. So maybe we are seeing it. We just don't appreciate it much. But um, yeah, that was good. And um, it made me think completely differently about the table, about the season, <laughs> about the 
about the points deduction that's coming down the road. You think, oh, well, you know, all of a sudden you think, I'm, I'm looking at a table now and thinking, well, we're, we're on 10 points. Another three, which we should definitely have had by now, we'd be bang mid-table with Brentford. Mm. I mean, another four or five, we'd be around West Ham and Man United. I mean, in fact, we'd be above them. I mean, we'd be we'd be just below Brighton. I mean, and you think, well, that's very, very possible. So, yeah, it, 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 it's a bit of a game changer for me, a bit of a season changer, I think. <laughs> cue the uh, cue the Brighton clap. <laughs> yeah, kiss of death. Play play the play the Kirby enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think we have seen it on a few occasions that kind of what we thought would be the Deitch template with all you know the one nil wins that we had at home last season. What what was what has been most alarming, and we've said it on the pod um, already, is is the when we've had those collapses like against Villa, or we've had those games like against Luton where we've just looked completely inept going forward, and and then you think, well, where's the where are the ideas going to come from? Um, you know, it is nice to now see that we've got a bit of a momentum coming, and we're starting to put some results together. And I think I said last week that these next few games, we're going to learn a bit about. A bit more about what we could look like under Sean Dyche, and there were some passages of play in the, at, at West Ham where we were knocking it around really nicely, you know. And just, of course, it's easier away from home to kind of just keep your put your foot on the ball and sort of knock it around a bit. You don't have the sort of the pressure of the of the Goodison crowd saying, "Come on, let's get it forward," um, quite as much. But um, yeah, I, I think what you said, Andy, was right. It's just exactly what you want from an away from an away performance. You know, you, perhaps you'd want a second goal, just that insurance goal. Because uh, my biggest concern in the closing stages was just how tired some of the players looked. I mean, Decorey looked dead on his yeah. feet, and I was looking at that the touchline, and there wasn't there was no one. You know, he, he wasn't about to bring anyone on, um, but um, he does seem to uh, to like to sort of keep that core unit on the field for as long as he possibly can um, to make, to have as few disruptions as possible. And, you know, it worked. So, um, you know, you can't have any complaints. I mean, not the greatest performance overall or the most exciting game, particularly in the first half. But, um, you know, when you fought relegation for, for two seasons and uh, have a potential points penalty hanging over your head, it doesn't really matter how you win. Um, and so, and particularly away from home, just that you do. So, yeah, really, um, really, really made up. And uh, yeah, these next few games are going to be um, going to be interesting. Uh, but some of the um, I'm, I'm going to let you um, segue into Jared Branthwaite here, Adam, because uh, I know you want to talk about him, and most most people have. I mean, the the, the way the kid just bounced, and and Mikel Antonio just bounced off him on a couple of occasions. He's just we said it last week. He's just unflappable. And to think that you know he's only 21 is is mind blowing, particularly for you know, a centre-half, which is a position that normally players sort of tend to mature into later, which, God, if that's the case, then, good Lord, what's it going to be like in a few years' time? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was... It, it it was such a good performance. It was it was colossal. It was towering. I think the fact that you mentioned there, that, that bit of composure that we saw at times and, and those good bits of play, so often it started with him. It started with having someone playing it out from the back into areas that we we'd never see the likes of Keane, Holgate, others who've played there kind of play those kind of balls, but also in a way that doesn't play us into trouble for one mm-hmm. thing. And and also just make m- makes us as fans feel eerily I, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, but he he calms me down. Um which 
you can't put a price on that certainly <laughs> no. you know um you know uh, ask me missus but like, it really <laughs> does help lower my blood pressure when watching everton yeah. um which um yeah is, is 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 really something and i think as you say there's we're talking about a player who is still at the beginning of his career who in in Everton terms really has has had kind of moments but I, th- I think we again we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago key moments at times which I'm sure he's learnt from um we spoke about the uh, Brentford game at home uh Chelsea away he's obviously had a season at PSV which has been really formative but as a as a Premier League defender is still I, I don't know he'll it'll be what around 10 games total um I've I've, I've not I've not checked but it, it's it's going to be pretty low so to think how good he could be after a full season, after two full seasons, after three, um, thank God we got we got him signed up to a new contract because as as soon as you see the likes of Match of a Day making a segment for one of our players, you know that <laughs> something either absurdly good or absurdly bad has happened. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so that's usually a pretty good barometer of where we're at with someone, and he. He really, really looks a real deal, and yeah, you, you mentioned it earlier, Paul. He sets the tone for that goal. It, 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 it encapsulated his entire performance, didn't it? The, the hunger and the desire to win that challenge, to want it more um, than the West Ham play, which was a common thread throughout. To be honest with Bramthwaite, and as you say, Lyndon, it's great, great watching him. You know, pair up. I mean, w- what an experience for a young player to have someone like Antonio, who it's kind of one of those players who I'm, I'm always really glad when he gets subbed mm-hmm. off because yeah. it shows that you're doing something right. But also, there's there's a fear factor with the likes of him he's he's a he's a real tricky customer to deal with Bramfway just kept him in his pocket the entire afternoon and yeah so winning winning the ball on the halfway line in a really physical way but then again just having that composure to bring the ball down not to not to kind of panic and drift it out wide and then you know stroll stroll back to the halfway line just to set the tone and and obviously you know ended up being the all important goal, but then so many other times doing the ugly parts of a game, throwing his body in the line, um, aerial challenges, just just everything. He really, really looks apart. I'm I'm not saying anything original or new, um, which you know is pretty much uh, that's my common thread throughout this podcast. <laughs> but 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 there's it, it's worth stating time and time again that we we've we've got a real player on our hands, and I think as as important as that centre forward position is. As important as it is to have a fit Dominic Calvert Lewin to make the most of those fleeting chances you're getting in an away game and to to get those one nils building up and to 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 fit into the way as you said Andy we'd expect a Sean Dyche team to look so much of that starts from the back as well and having not had a settled centre back partnership that's starting to really gel as well Tarkovsky and Bramfway really promising I think that in turn starts to improve the fullbacks as well. It, it it breeds confidence throughout the team. And if we can get that area right, if we can have a fit centre forward and we've got some kind of combination of what happens in the middle, which, as we've said before, is sometimes a bit odd. And uh, you're right, Lennon, Decore looked dead on his feet and didn't always make the right decisions. But the chance you mentioned earlier, Paul, it's it's pretty terrible run, actually. Mo Harrison fluffs his lines. <laughs> but Decore just didn't stop. So if you've got composure at both ends and legs and running and desire in the middle, you've got to think that 15th is, well, if that's where we're at, great. It's probably, you know, deserving of more really, isn't it? And certainly performances like that on Sunday away from home 
more of those as we go through the season, we should we should comfortably ensconce ourselves in the sort of you know the dreamland of twelfth, eleventh, really. Um, but yeah, Bramthwaite, mm. good. <laughs> mm. Yeah, good, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Chef's kiss. <laughs> how, how do you spell that for the name of the pod? I mean, how do you spell? Mm. Um, there's, there's an umlaut, definitely. Um. We're spending the next 35 minutes figuring that out, I think. We? <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think he's perfect. Or- He's perfect foil for Tarkovsky, isn't he? I think it's a dream. That part, well, dreams maybe a bit, maybe dreams a bit much. But like, yeah. but um, yeah, in Tar- it, it feels like Tarkovsky. It's it, it seems like he's enjoying playing alongside him, but he probably enjoys having that responsibility a little bit. It feels like to me, I was like because of you know, as, as brilliant as Javid has been, he, he still needs some guidance. I'm sure at the back there, he still needs, and, and Tarkovsky's perfect with that. I imagine. Um, and so, you know, guiding through things, it, it feels like the initial sloppy couple of games at the start of the season, and I don't want to sort of start labelling other players as a consequence of that, but it feels like Tarkovsky's really up this game, these last mm-hmm. few games in particular. That, that partnership really seems to be sort of uh, growing really, really nicely. So, um, yeah, it just, uh, it just feels like Tarkovsky's helping him through games quite well. He's, 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 and one thing that Tarkovsky will really value, which kind of goes under the radar quite a lot, is um, Javid's uh, pace. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's very, very quick over like, you know, um, over 10, 20 yards. He's really, really sort of, um, you know, he, he, it allows him to sort of position himself well and not a lot gets past him at all, does it? He's obviously got a massive big stretch of, um, you know, and he, he's got that, he can do them sort of tackles. It seems like he slides miles before <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the player and, and wins it. So he reads it very well. But um, his pace will get him out of a lot of trouble. Um, get him out of trouble a lot of times. So it's um, looking like a really, um, really smart, really smart uh, partnership there. I guess you got to credit um, Everton quite a lot as well. Not only for the signing of Jared Banfueta, um a low fee. I forget how much it was. Was it? About 1.25 million or something like that. I think it wasn't, but well, certainly wasn't expensive. And yes, them things are gambles. Really, you're never, really, never really certain how they're going to come out. But they, they picked them out well. And um, then also sending them on loan uh, to pay uh, to PSV last season because the temptation might have been there to throw them in, and um, that could have been a bit sink or swim given the situation we were in. So it was um, really good work uh, getting them out on loan. I guess we've done a few of them over the years as well. And I guess the, the, what I'm trying to get at is there's a bit of criticism lingering around about, oh, why don't Everton sort of sign these rough diamonds and sort of, you know, end up selling them on for them? But we do quite a lot. I mean, and, um, you know, if you look at Dominic Carver-Lewin, for his price, even say what, uh, inverted commas, value we got from, say, we've got from, say, Mason Holgate for 1.5 million quid or whatever it was for like a long, you know, a, 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 a Premier League player, a decent one at times for a long period of time. Coleman, obviously a bit of another story, but you know, there's been plenty of them over, over the years. John and, um, so maybe John yeah. Stone's a very good example. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then you obviously let alone the, the homegrown players like Anthony Gordon, Rodwell, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, Lescott, et cetera, stuff like that, you know, and not homegrown, but you know, so it's, um, yeah, a lot of good, um, examples over the years, really, of players that, you know, we've done well out of. So, um, a bit of credit to Everton there. You got to give credit where, credit where it's due. Um, but yeah, it's, um, Looking promising at the back there, and um, I'm just uh, intrigued to see what they do coming into the tomorrow night's game. Do we protect what we, you know? Do we think right? We're on a bit of a roll here. Do we, you know? Do we keep on, you know, just stick stick with the same team and 
and go out there, try and get into that quarter final, and then plow onto the Brighton game? Or do they try and protect a few players, knowing uh, you know that we're making the Premier League a priority, rest anyone with bumps and knocks, you know, protect anyone who's at risk of getting injured, and um, and and uh, and make Brighton the priority? Often I'm a little bit more cautious with the with the League Cup. I feel you've got a good player's opportunity, but it just, just feels like a real opportunity to me to get into the quarterfinal of a cup. And just feels like forever since we right, was like, got hammered in the quarterfinal at Crystal Palace at the FA Cup a few seasons ago. But that never felt like it was really going anywhere such as a precarious position. This feels like this could be an opportunity. You know, if the, if the league form carries on as it wasn't, okay, barring any sort of FFP problems uh, uh, from the hearing, um, I think, we're a pretty safe bet for, you know, at least 10th to 15th and looking fine at the end of the season. So it does feel that really sort of, for once, an actual sort of chance to sort of maybe, just maybe have a good, have a good crack at the, at the cup here. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see what we, uh, what we do with the team tomorrow night. Yeah. I, I was going to mention that. I'll just quickly touch on Branthwaite. There was, there was a brilliant tweet. I don't know whether you saw it in the week from someone called, it was an Evertonian called Kevin underscore 1878. He says, Jared Branthwaite, shocking again today. And to think some clubs might want him. Another average English product. Teams will do better to look elsewhere. Which I, I thought was just a fantastic tweet. Um, and I liked it because I think we should all like that. Um, <laughs> let's just throw these guys off the scent before. Um, but no, I, I thought he was great. I, I, he's, he's clearly bulked up. Um, he, he looks an athlete now. I would say when he first came, he looked what he was an 18 19 year old um he he looks the full you know the, the full physical package now he is making Mikolenko better i've got no doubt about that at all um, point, yeah. and i, I where, where adam says it, it calms him down i agree i'd go to the point where i almost i almost kind of switch off a bit if 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 like not switch off in a i don't mean in a bad way but like if there's a a kind of if he's got the ball, I, I'm not kind of you know how you watch Everton with all your muscles strained and you're kind of like you, you you're tight, <laughs> you're really tight the whole time. As soon as Branthwaite gets it, I think oh it, it'll be fine. And you almost kind of you know you, you you look at a different area of the pitch or you look at who's moving or you look at something else. You know, um, he's just he's just brilliant. Um, and it's the kind of gamble that maybe we thought we were going to make more of when we got all the money and we had this kind of model of well, we thought we were going to have a model of buying players, improving them and then seeing what happened. Um, but yeah, what a brilliant gamble it is on the, on the league cup. Um, I think the last few weeks have, like I said earlier, changed my outlook on the season completely. I don't think there's a necessity to prioritize the premier league game this week over the League Cup game. I'm not suggesting the League Cup game is more important than the Premier League game, but I don't think there's a reason to rest them. I think go for the quarterfinal. I mean, we we, we are playing well enough to make up points in the league if we have to. Um, You only get one chance to to get through to the quarterfinal. If you rest a load of players and we go out, we're out again. Um, I'm just looking what's happening tonight. I mean, as, as we speak, Exeter are beating Middlesbrough. The other game tonight is Mansfield against Port Vale. And then you think tomorrow night, either West Ham or Arsenal are out. Bournemouth or Liverpool are mm-hmm. out. Man United or Newcastle are out. Man City are already out. There's Ipswich, Fulham and Chelsea, Blackburn. I mean, that 
looks quite open for a League Cup because it's been so prioritised by the big teams for so long. Um, there's a real chance there, and I really hope they take that chance or at least give that chance everything. I, I'd much prefer, God forbid, we 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 play a couple of players that have been on the fringes Saturday. I'd much prefer that um, than than tomorrow night. I, I think we should just try and go as far as we can in a cup. Mm. It's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Just been able to say that a very long time. Absolutely, and it, and it's and it, yeah, absolutely, and it's and it's it's worth you know harkening back to the the dark days of Bournemouth, that double header from last season, that completely checked our momentum and it gave Bournemouth a lift. We're playing another relegation rival, so we can really, besides yeah, obviously progressing the competition, which we all want, we can really do Burnley some damage as well. So I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think we should go for it, whatever lineup that is. Um, I feel we, we don't want to be changing it too much. We don't want to be just trying to kind of, like the thought, for example, of disrupting that centre-back partnership at this time. I think we already know what Keane and Godfrey can bring and how different that looks under Tarkovsky and Bramthwaite. So play them together, keep building that relationship. That was a very diplomatic way of saying that. Um, but um, <laughs> it was. <laughs> um, just, just in case they're listening. Um, but, um, but, I, but I think we, we, we already know that. But what we also know is how, yeah, besides my heart rate, how much more comfortable we all look as a, as a side with that, with that centre-back partnership. I think... You're completely right, Paul. I, th- I think I think Mikolenko, that, that that improvement. I, I think you're right, but that, that does dovetail with a having a left-footed centre back, but b having one as kind of composed as Bramfway. I think it really, really makes a difference. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree with you both. Just yeah, play, play the best side, get in the hat, and bring on what Exeter. Yeah, that feels, <laughs> that feels right. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny when when Andy you said that the. The big clubs have prioritized the League Cup. I don't think they have. They've monopolized it. And that's purely down to just the strength that they just have naturally above, you know, above the rest of us. Um, and that's obviously why this is such a big opportunity now, as you say, with, you know, it used to be the case of, you know, the League Cup was a bunch of teams enter it and someone either someone ends up losing to Manchester City in the final. They're gone now, you know, and so there is, I think Arsenal and I, yeah, Liverpool as well. I suppose you'd have to say are the, are the two that that you would really be uh, uh, frightened of of the ones who are left. But uh, they won't be full strength tomorrow. I wouldn't have thought. Um, so, yeah, it's an opportunity for us to actually go with as strong a team as possible. I still think that he will, the Deitch will make changes. Um, I would imagine someone like Adrissa Gay would come in. Possibly, I think um, you know Dwight McNeil looked a little leggy. On Sunday, Jack Harrison wasn't quite at, and he's he's obviously come back from injury and, and sort of played at sort of quite high um, high tempo since he's come back in. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Juma comes in for one of those two. But beyond that, I would hope that he wouldn't make too many changes. I would imagine that in the back of his mind, he's got someone like Ben Godfrey who hasn't played any football at all. I suppose he played at Doncaster, didn't he? If he's going to have to be called on at some point in the season, you wouldn't want to be throwing him in cold. So does he sort of get? an opportunity if he is to make let's say two or three changes where where do you think they could be adam and, and to to the to a point where it wouldn't detract too much from the momentum 
Yeah, it's it's tricky because yeah, I, I think you're right. Even though I'm I'm saying playoff strongest side, I think it's worth reiterating as well that I think even though it's been in some ways enforced upon Deitch, obviously bringing Bramfway in um, was a bit of a kind of forced decision um, initially. That is Young being suspended um, and Gay dropping out the side for an honor. I think on Sunday that's our our strongest squad. Um, so that's that's worth kind of bearing in mind. Um, maybe Deitch doesn't see it that way. Um, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it, it just kind of gay coming in makes sense. Um, I agree with you on the wingers. I think I think giving Dan Juma more minutes um, is important because I think we're going to need options out wide um, with the amount of work that those wide players are getting through mm-hmm. um, in that system. Then give him the likes of McNeil and as you as you mentioned, Harrison only recently coming back from injury. But again, having a, a really strong performance. Not not always having a cutting edge on Sunday. Um I think both wingers were a little guilty of that, but that was more than made up for by the kind of sheer effort yeah, they just put. The work in. Right. Yeah. Um yeah, completely. And um I think maybe if there was another player I'd I, I guess the central midfield areas is one that you could see at least one change being made. Um but there's there's not a huge amount of kind of options there. I guess I guess the other one would probably be would would you swap out Dom and keep him fit and firing for Brighton? I'd probably say yes, just because um, obviously the League Cup is uh, Beto's playground. We all watched um, watched the, the Doncaster <laughs> game. Um, I've still not come down from that uh, from that cloud, um, but I do I, I do feel like a, a settled side around him against a side like Burnley, who, from what I've seen so far, maybe aren't as bad as their p- position belies, but also probably aren't quite cutting it out to the Premier League stand. They, they were very hard done by with that. Uh, well, maybe not hard done by, but uh, kind of put through the ringer by VAR in a way that we can all um, sympathise with at the weekend. So um, I think they're trying to play a certain way and maybe don't have the ability to do that. So having the likes of Beto up there, to me, seems like a good game for him to find his confidence. So I'd probably say Dan Juma, Beto and Garner Gay coming in makes sense. And then I could also see Deitch making at least one change across that back, back four. But who that would be, I'm not quite sure. What do you reckon, Paul? Well, I think one thing just on Burnley is like they're just not winning any games, really. So you think like they won't be sticking their best team, I wouldn't have thought. I think I can imagine, I could see them making several changes. This won't be a priority for them, and I'm pretty certain of that. So there's an opportunity straight off if you feel the strong enough team and don't mess around too much. Um, I, I, I don't know what he's going to... I don't know what he's going to... I really hope he doesn't change a lot. Um, I guess... It depend, and we're not privy to who's got knocks and bumps and uh, who might need a little bit of a rest. Feels like Mikalenko is going down. He's, he's always someone standing on his foot, or you know, we're getting stood on the foot, or ripping his boot off, or something. Something mad happens to him every game, doesn't it? So I don't know. And he's just not too long back from injury, so perhaps there's an opportunity to give him a little bit of a break and play Ashley Young there. I'd like to see uh, Patterson get another game. Having uh, he started, he struggled at the start of the game before he by the end of the game. He looked, he looked pretty solid. So I'd like to see him get another opportunity there. Um, I guess. One, one maybe perhaps a caution about. I don't really know what it means, but if Michael Keane got uh, pulled up injured in the warm up, means that Ben Godfrey is now the only other centre back available. Um, so does that mean he might play Ben Godfrey just 
because obviously you, if you, you know, I don't in a perverse sort of way, because if he plays Blanfrey or Tarkovsky and one of them gets injured, if you know what I mean, yeah. on, on Wednesday, then, then yeah, it's it. Then, ben, then you're relying on Ben Godfrey. So you're playing Ben Godfrey, so you don't have to rely on him, <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, I don't I'm know if that'll be the case, you. but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know what else, though. Um, I'm not so sure... Well, some of the players did look exhausted from a long from a long shift on um on Sunday. I think Sean, you know, Sean Dyche wants them to keep on playing, doesn't he? He wants them to sort mm-hmm. of do them do that ninety minutes. Wants them to get them uh, Dyche fit, I guess, doesn't he? And wants them, yeah, you know, like so. And I think they're you know minutes in, um minutes in the bank and match fitness is such a big thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's um he sees that as an opportunity to get more minutes into um, Dwight McNeil and Jack Harrison, particularly Jack, who has been injured for quite a long time. Um, I don't know. Um, again, it comes down to, is anybody in that midfield having a little bit of a knock? An honor, for example, is an opportunity just to give him a little bit of a rest. I wouldn't want really to, anybody to be rested because I, I want that team to sort of keep on uh, just you know, gelling together and playing together. Again, Dominic is, I think, a case of like, well, let's just, you know, wrap him in cotton wool a little bit still because we don't want another injury. I know he's looking a million dollars at the moment, but you just never know. Is it a chance to get better? You know, so there might be a few things where he just feels like I've got to give this player a chance. I've got to, I've got to pull this guy back. Without knowing the ins and outs of how they all are, it's hard to tell. Um, but I just really hope the team isn't messed with too much. I was listening to the um, the team news came when it came through on Five Live on Saturday. I was, I was driving just when they announced the team news, and I'm pretty sure somebody said that Michael Keane was left out for family reasons. Is that right? Oh, I don't know. I just said he came off, came out. Uh, he was he was during the warm up, wasn't it? I didn't see what I didn't hear what happened. Uh, okay. I was kind of I don't know to be honest with you. I didn't hear that. Okay, M- might have just been misinformation somewhere along the line. I mean, I'm looking at who could come in. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm literally on the Everton website here, and I've got all the players smiling at me. Um, and <laughs> I mean, Michael Keane could come back in. Ben Godfrey can come back in. Ashley Young can come in. We don't think Coleman's fit enough, so we'll leave him out of the equation. I wouldn't expect. Well, maybe Young, maybe, but probably not. Um, midfield is almost. Well, it's barer than that, really. It's Ghana can come in, as in Ghana Gay, maybe for Onana. Then you've got Deli Ali and Gomez and Onyango. Well, I don't see any of those coming into the starting eleven. And then up front, I think up front's the interesting one, actually. I mean, there's Dobbin, which I, who I don't think he'll start. Dan Juma, I think will. I think he has to really um, to keep him interested. And I did. Did you notice in in the derby match when Beto came on, Sean Dyche's um, body language towards Beto seemed quite um, quite a frustrated figure, I thought. And I know he was encouraging everybody, but it just seemed to kind of... He seemed to be shouting a lot at Beto about kind of... Uh, it looked like kind of keep running around, keep applying yourself, keep going, da da da, da. Um, and, I, and I was... Therefore, uh, my eyebrow went a little bit higher the other day when Chimiti came on at mm. West Ham, not Beto. Um, and I just wonder whether there's something at play there. Don't know. Might be making it up. Might have just got the wrong end of the stick. But it might be that Chimiti comes in, not Beto. It would be a bit of a surprise. But I just watched that derby and thought, oh, crikey, he is not happy with something Beto's doing. I assumed it was towards Beto. He was the only one in his eyeline, really. Um, and then 
he didn't come on at the weekend. So that's the only other place in the side that you'd make a change. I wouldn't. I'd keep Dom in, but that's just me. I, I'm going gun ho for the League Cup, obviously. But um, <laughs> but no, interesting dynamic there with the Beto thing. Um, you would expect him to be an obvious and natural number two always in that lineup of striker, especially in a Premier League game when there's only one goal in it. You know, I could imagine if you're falling it up against somebody, yeah, give the kid a go. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I noticed what you're talking about in the derby. Um, and it was, I think it was aimed at Beto, and it was something that I don't think he obviously hadn't done, something that specific instance that Deitch wanted him to do. I hadn't made the connection between that and then Chimiti coming on at the end of Sunday's game. Actually, I was, um, I think it was uh, Ben King, you know, our uh, <laughs> our biggest fan, uh, who DM me asking, asking, <laughs> hi, ben. <laughs> hi Ben, asking how, um, you know, why, why I thought that Shemiti had come on and not better, and I basically made the point. That I thought if it, if it were any longer, if it was say ten minutes, I think it probably would have been better. Now this is obviously any any issues that you might have might be um, discovering here, Andy, notwithstanding. Um, but I just think for those maybe those couple of minutes, maybe just the fact that he, maybe he just thought he was better at the, doing the hold up, the hold up play, you know, better than than Beto. Beto can be a little bit clumsy on the ball, and maybe just was just an exercise in just making sure that we uh, that we kept the ball. I mean, for me, Chimiti has looked a little like very raw actually when when he's come on, and certainly he uh, he did not look ready at Doncaster, and that's the kind of opposition that you would hope that he would you know kind of impressed a little bit so i would be surprised if schmitty starts but uh yeah we'll have to wait and see i don't uh I'd, i i hope he doesn't make too many changes um like like everybody else because you know it all comes down to uh to momentum and um, that's obviously going to be key going into a saturday um, because we have uh, an interesting one against brighton uh, I'll be honest. I I have PTSD around this fixture. <laughs> I, I took my girls to this this sure. one in January, and it was their first proper Everton game, and it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Not the introduction to Goodison Park I wanted to give them, um, because we were absolutely dreadful that night, as we all remember. I'd be shocked if we are anywhere near that bad on Saturday. Obviously, given what we've seen in the last few weeks, uh, but it's going to be a very difficult one, just because of the way that Brighton play. Adam, what are you expecting from this one? Tricky, isn't it? Because I think I think you said earlier, Paul, about our position in the table, um, or it might have been Andy. Um, either way, you're both um, very insightful. But <laughs> the idea that a couple of wins different, and we're 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 basically level with Brighton. Um, Fight amongst yourselves who said it, but um, I think there's there's clearly a lot of quality there, and there's a lot of media chat about Brighton. They're very sort of media friendly. People like them. They're quite sort of neutral, so you can project onto them. So and the fact they play nice football um really helps with that. If you look at the results, I, I there's there's a lot less to fear than previous seasons. And I think the other thing that really gives me confidence, having said that, they did beat Ajax about a week ago. So you know they are they've clearly moved up a few levels. Um since our first introduction to a Premier League. But the thing that really gives me confidence um, is that obviously one of their strengths has been playing out from the back. And it seems as though in recent weeks there have been times where they've, they've given up chances and, and certainly goals by playing that way. And our pressing game has really, really come on leaps and bounds yeah. this season. Um, and we, we mentioned it earlier in terms of the work rate, the likes of Decore, McNeil, 
now Harrison coming into that fold as well, really covering yards and making it difficult and a, a, a fit Cavaloon as well. Um, so that gives me a bit of confidence. I, I think, um, I think certainly there's still players to fear there. They've got some really exciting young attacking players. Um, Ferguson looks a, a kind of, you know, Dom heir apparent um, who's probably weirdly worth a lot more than Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, but I think there's still weaknesses there. There's still flaws that we can exploit. So I wouldn't say I'm totally 100% confident of a win, but I'm sort of erring dangerously towards that that area, that space of, yeah, we, we, we might win that. And I've, I, I think we'll, we'll probably have a better idea of that feeling, or I certainly will, um, after the Burnley game, because A, we'll have seen who played who, and maybe who didn't. And also we'll see whether that momentum's kind of carried on um, from from that West Ham win. But I'm I'm quietly confident of facing Brighton at the moment. They've they've obviously got other distractions in terms of playing in Europe, and they're coming off a pretty poor run. We're okay. We're not we're not on a kind of winning streak, but we've we've won some games, and for us at the moment that feels like a streak, doesn't it? So um, I think on our day at home we've got we've got enough to beat maybe this Brighton. Um, but I think I think any kind of positive result against against them, um, I'd, I'd, I'd take. Uh, particularly if it, if it's fruit of an extra round of a league cup and a draw plus uh, at Brighton, I think um, I think we'd we'd all probably take that. So yeah, put me put me down for ooh, two on Everton. Nice. It's nice going. I mean, I guess it will depend a bit on how tomorrow night goes and if we win, if we go through to the quarters, especially if we go through, through to the quarters and then have a really nice draw for the next round. And um, the feel good factor will will really be there uh, for Saturday. Um, it's just kind of like, and it sounds again, it sounds crazy like when you're fifteenth in the league and you're not actually that far from the bottom of the league. But does it does it feel like a little bit of a free hit of sorts? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can certainly play go into the game against um, Brighton with a lot more freedom than we certainly than we could last season against Brighton. Look what happened and the season before, and look what happened then. We lost, we lost them both. So. Um, you know, it's just that it's not nothing like the ner- the nerve shredder that we've had at previous last last couple of times we played Brighton at home. So if we can just go into it with a bit of a, a bit of freedom and you know, dare I say it, a bit of swagger and just have a you know yeah press them have a go at them. You know what I mean? There's um there's no reason why why we couldn't be Brighton at home. Um, so yeah, just let's just go and give it a you know give it a good crack. But I think just going into it and. The players just seem, and that's just the nature. And it's just, just how we again. It's been so long since we've seen something like this. You know, four wins and six. I can't even remember when it just felt like, oh wow, we have got to, you know go in this game. It's just quite confident that you that you're going to do something, and you feel like that the players feel that too. They, that, that's the sense you get from watching. They, they seem quite confident in themselves. So um, and that's what happens when you win games, isn't it? So um, there's no reason why we can't go into it with, uh, particularly if tomorrow goes well. Tomorrow night goes well. There's no reason why we can't just go into it and just uh, without fear. And it's been you could just see we've seen the teams we've we watched over the last few years playing with so much fear. Um, and it's just nice to see a team. They don't seem scared. They seem confident now, and it's just been so long since we've been able to say that. So, um, 
So yeah, it's you never. It doesn't seem even fathomable, fathomable that last season that we'd be going into Brighton at home. Like, oh yeah, we could we could win this. People think you were mad. You know what I mean? Like, so it's um, it's 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 a weird feeling. So um, let's keep on feeling weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually written down not as much pressure versus Brighton because I I, I feel it's is it if. It is one of the, still one of those games where we are where we are still, and they are where they are, and it's based on a good year or so of results. Where it is still a game that maybe we wouldn't be expected to win by the outside, and it, I don't think it holds as much pressure as us kind of, I don't know, having a half decent run and then having Luton at home, or then having you know another game that you think right we've got to win this one, um, and. And you're absolutely right. I mean, Brighton, right about that form, I mean, Brighton um, were great up until mid-September. Since the 16th of September, they've beaten Bournemouth at home and Ajax at home. That's it. That's that's their wins. But Ajax are currently bottom of Eredivisie. And Bournemouth, well, we know they're pretty poor, or they have been. Um and yeah, I know there's been some half decent results in there too, in terms of a, I think it was a draw against Liverpool, but they're not wiping the floor with teams like they have done in phases. Um, equally of this season, you know, they started off like a house on fire, didn't they? Um, so I, I think it's a yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like I was against West Ham. I don't think I'm going to spend the latter part of the week necessarily with that. Worrying me. I'm going to have nice laid back end of the week thinking about a brilliant League Cup draw. Um, <laughs> by the way, Borough then went 2 1 up against Exeter, but Exeter have just equalised. So there's still a chance. Did we get your Exeter at home draw, Adam? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, see, I see it more of a, a, of a chance, like you said, a chance mm. to get something rather than a, a, um, a fraught. Um, fixture like it has been in in, in recent years. I, I'm I kind of, you know, I think we can get something out of that. And I, I would take your through to the next round and point on Saturday, right now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think um, that the the results that you point out, that's what makes this one an interesting one because they have been a bit of a mixed bag. And the the, the results that kind of stand out to me are. The, the obviously the one that, that West Ham beat them at home, um, where I think David Moyes took more than a few leaves out of Sean Teich's book with a, a counter-attacking masterclass in that one. Um, but then they were smashed six-one at Villa, and I think as we showed in the in obviously our match down at the uh, the Amex at the end of last season, is that once you kind of rattle them a bit, they kind of fall apart a little bit. And so if we can start strong and get at them early and maybe get an early goal, then I think you know we 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 could. Um, it could be it could be a good thing it could kind of set us on on the way to um you know to what would be a um, a nice uh what's the word i'm looking for cathartic victory based on what happened uh, in january and they do go to ajax after us and i think we're on about what we would prioritize as everton fans i think as brighton fans you'd be looking at a league and go well there's no worry in the league there's no there's there's, there's no drama there at all let's prioritize the europa league how far can we yeah. get yeah. And they've got a, they've got an away tie, you know, having not started brilliantly in the Europa League, they've got an away tie that they will have to prioritise the the Thursday after the Saturday. 
So I don't know, maybe just all these little bits of timing. I, that's one thing I have been thinking about in the last few weeks. It is amazing how much your own season is based on individual bits of timing. When just when you meet a team and what they've got next, what you've just had, they might have had one sent off last week, but they won't play against you. It's just, you know, and I think all of that goes into my thinking of Brighton may not fancy a trip to Goodison on a Saturday in between two really important matches. Absolutely. And that's, and that's where momentum's obviously so important as well, because if we can... Brighton aren't playing midweek this week. You're right to point out that, yeah, they they might certainly be thinking about Ajax away, um, which sounds fun, doesn't it? Ajax away. Um, Miss those days. But um, I think for us, going into that Brighton game, having beaten Burnley, having progressed in a cup competition, having just come off the back of an away win um, at tough opposition, that's that's the feeling of a narrative building. That's a feeling of momentum building um, at a crucial time, at a time when, yeah, I mean, we alluded to it before, that the the pressure coming from off the pitch from external forces is huge. So to deliver not once, but twice, potentially three times in the space of seven days under those conditions would be massive. Um, So, yeah, you're right. Timing is everything. Um, So... Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I, 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 I felt myself jinxing it as I, as I spoke there. Uh, so hopefully I haven't. But um, but yeah, I, I also think as well that these kinds of fixtures, playing the likes of you know, teams like Palace, like Wolves, sort of teams who sort of seem to be in the Premier League, but they never really had a kind of fear attached to them. And now I think we sometimes look at these games either as um, like Luton, like we have to win this or else. And then even those kind of games that, I think you used the term before, Andy, like free hits, but they never really feel like a free hit anymore. Whereas because of that result on Sunday, I do I do think this is about as close to that as we can get. And not in the sort of usual free hit way of, oh, well, it's Man City away or it's you know a, a game that we really don't expect to get anything from. Um, I think this is more of a, it could go either way. So let's stay in the game and, as you say, Lyndon, right the wrongs from last season at Goodison. Yeah, yeah. And how nice would it be to be sitting four points behind Brighton at the end of Saturday evening? That really would uh, uh-huh. put put a few things in in perspective. But uh, yeah, let's let's see what happens. You're listening to the Toffee Web Podcast. Rod will finish off with our, our weekly question. And I forget who actually came up with this one, but uh, it's a good one. Uh, what is your uh, favorite kit, Everton kit down the years, that isn't blue? So obviously a chain strip. Um, Paul, why don't you go first? I was hoping you wouldn't come to me because I don't really have one. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, um... We can kick it to somebody else while you think about it. No, 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 no. Um... <laughs> Challenge accepted. I... <laughs> I, I want to be first. Um yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm just looking at that um, <clears throat> historical kits website now to sort of. Um, so I'm not that because there's so many kits now. I just um, I, I just lost so much interest in in kits. I quite like there was the uh, the striped yellow and blue one. A cup was it the season before last, which I thought was pretty smart. But um, when when we asked when Andy asked the question just off off air before, I thought, well, what's the first one that comes into my head? And I don't know why it's come into my head, but. 
um 98.99 uh one-to-one sponsor uh white shirts blue shorts white socks and i I, I can just picture kevin campbell in it for some reason i can't even picture him scoring a goal in it or anything like that i think i can picture danny cadamartry in it too again i don't know why but uh that's the first one that came to mind um so that's and then if you look along that row on the site there's the there's also the sort of uh you know we've we've done a few variations of the sort of striped yellow and blue yellow and black sort of ones which they they were they were sort of quite smart in the 90s and then the sort of around sometime in the 2010s so um yeah so i think that era of kits is probably the most um favorable for me i suppose so i'm going to go with that for no apparent reason that uh that white one one one-to-one with a white shirt blue shorts white socks Underneath that kit, there's an option to buy it now. I might get it for you for Christmas. <laughs> there you go. I'm probably doing Secret Santa this year, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I loved our, the look of our grey kit sat, uh, Sunday. That's where this came from. I just thought it looked really smart, and I never thought I'd say it, but I like the fact that the badge is just the tower. I don't, don't want it all the time. I don't. I really don't want to entertain that all the time because a few badges have gone that way. I just thought as a little change, yeah, I'm into that. And we're lucky that we have some kind of icon on our badge or our, our crest that it's instantly, that's Everton, isn't it? That that tower. I mean, I, I just thought it was nice. Um, can I go next? Is that Please. right? Um, and there is an option to buy this one as well, boys. So just um, write that down <laughs> in, the, uh, in the notes. Um, mine is... Uh, I, I imagine David Unsworth in the kit that I'm going to mention. It's 94.95. It's the tractor has driven over the kit. Um, white top with grey markings both sides. NEC. Um, that would have been the cup final winning season. Yes, mm-hmm. it would. Um, and I remember very fondly making in... Um, in uh, um, I don't know what we called it at the time, effectively sewing at school, um, I made a cushion. And on the back, on the front, it had uh, the design, the NEC, the Everton badge. And on the back, it had Unsworth 26. And it was so it was a reversible cushion, which I probably ahead of my time there. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was very proud of my cushion. I have since lost it. That's a shame. But um, it is, because uh, that would have been... I, I was sensing media, a, an Etsy like store uh, opening any time soon. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, of, of all the... I, I think that was when... How old would I have been then? I don't want to give away my age. Uh, that was when I would have been like 13, 14, and Everton were winning something. I loved David Unsworth. <laughs> because uh, I, I was a defender myself, and I, I, I liked him. And I just... I, I just brilliant memories of that kit um and uh, we had a similar one i think we had did we have the same kit the next season but they just changed yes. to yes, Danka. They did, yeah yeah i remember, I, I remember the nec one the, the nec one was great and i also had the salmon pink stripes mm. um of 92 to 94 mm. um but for me the nec 95 away kit just magic yeah, that was that was gonna be my pick because that was that was one of the first kits I remember getting. Um, so I, I guess I could pick the Danker one, uh, the, the the charity shield winning kit the uh, the following the, that, yeah. the following season. And I, I think we actually said that in the build up how it was it was sort of refreshing 
as you go back through the years and you'll see certain kits last for two, sometimes even three years. Um, cause as, as that, that, that changeability happens, I mean, the, the couple of years we had Nike with that, um, spoke about logos before as well. I'd, I'd forgotten how bad was it the first Martinez year, that, that logo, obviously the, the kind of fewer around it. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, there've been some there've been some interesting ones. So yeah, I'd, I probably would have gone that one myself. I do like that kind of uh, that nineties look. And obviously, this is a fashion podcast now. So um, yeah, we can <laughs> we, we we can we can pivot. If if I if I go for one more, I I did like the sort of one to one ones, but I'd, I, I'll also I'll go I'll maybe go sort of the the Cajun away kit just for the sort of simplicity and also because I, I can kind of see. Wayne Rooney running around for it in the, the first time. The sort of the the yellow, uh, the yellow Cajun kit. Because um, I, I I do think players kind of leave leave a mark on you with that. And then I can also see um, there's, there's there's that kind of one to one with the uh, the vertical stripes. Ninety seven, ninety eight season. Not a good season, but uh, that's, that's that's not a bad kit. Um, but I'm I'm like Paul. I, I never really bought too many. Um, obviously, if you guys want to get me on for Christmas, that's um, yeah. I'll, I'll go for like a camouflage goalkeeping third kit, uh, just to be really difficult. Um, but um, but yeah, some so, so, so in the mid nineties, which uh, is fitting, isn't it? Because the uh, the kits that mattered really, the ones that are, ones that bought some silverware. That Kejian kit you just mentioned screams mm. Kevin Kilbane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me. yeah. I think it screams. <laughs> Duncan Ferguson strangling. Yes, yeah, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My favorite ones have always been either the white ones, the black ones. My first, my first favorite one was the um, the, the the sort of silver and white, gray and white striped one um, from what was it, the late eighties, uh, eighty-eight, eighty-nine through to ninety. Although I think. That might have been the kit we were wearing when we got Thrash 6-2 at Aston Villa, which is a match that still haunts me to this day. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I say my favorite ones have been, you know, the the, the all-white ones or the, or the all-black ones. And I think there was the one <clears throat> that screams um, Lukaku to me was an all-black one from 14-15. From, uh, um, but I think maybe my favorite just as I'm scrolling up and down, was the one from 1819, which was the white one, but it kind of had the kind of light blue design, kind of, I don't know, what are they, chevrons up and down? Um, the one that we actually wore, I think, for one match the following season as well. Um, so that's probably... I don't buy very many kits, but I actually bought that one because I really liked that one. So I think that's the one I would go with. I'd forgotten when we were in the late 90s, no, sorry, early 90s, I'd forgotten the NEC kit with had that kind of zigzag across mm-hmm. it. That never that never happened again, did it? Or or, or before? It like we had like a kind of like almost like looks like you've kind of it's plotted like a transfer, league season across the table. table. <laughs> because of it. <laughs> the Majeri <Nigeria>, years. <laughs> 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 Are you talking about the away yeah. kit or the home kit? The yellow. Yeah, the, I think both yeah. did it, didn't they? But the away kit certainly ninety to ninety two is yellow with a blue jagged line across the middle. Yeah. I forgot. Oh, that looks one. like a, a right, stock yeah. chart. <laughs> Robert Wash. Yes. And then that home kit just screams Mike Newell mm. to me. Ooh. This sounds a good game. So we got to like yeah get the kit on the on the yeah the, going into video <laughs> name the player everyone's got to get. See how many of our, of our listeners will bother <laughs> giving us their names, what kits they uh, 
what player they think okay. of. Yeah. Little snow bum. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny actually going back to the to, to obviously the, the kit that's, that started the question. Uh, Andy, was, I was if you remember back in the oh lord when was it late eighties, early nineties, Manchester United went to Southampton and in a great kit and got you know had a really really awful first half and changed yeah. their kit at half time. I, I was had a little in the back of my mind going, God, I hope this doesn't happen with us. You know, that we have this issue of this smart, great kit and then the players aren't able to uh, to see each other. But I think uh, maybe it's different in, this, in the uh, in the tight confines of the Dell versus the um, the cavernous expanses of the London Stadium. Maybe it's easier to, to pick another player out because, uh, yeah, the crowd's miles away. Miles away. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there for the week. Um, let's see where we are after, uh, yeah, Carabao Cup adventure against Burnley tomorrow and then obviously Brighton Saturday. I will return next week, Blues, to discuss it all. Until then, take care as always and up the toffees. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.